This is Christian Questions. Thomas Jefferson once said, Honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. And you can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? What's happening? What are we talking about? Well, Rick, our question this morning is, where do we find wisdom? And our theme text is found in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Well, we can find wisdom. We just get the address and go to the house. I mean, what, <laughs> what's the problem? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. Look, all you have to do is look around. And what do you see? There is knowledge. There is technology. And there are people, places, and things. We rush and we are impatient. We want what we want now. We text, but we don't talk. We type, but we don't write. We have friends, and I put that in quote, friends, but we don't touch. We have families, but we're not familiar. We build our dreams around ourselves, but somehow or other we're lonely. Why? Why is there such a massive and growing disconnect between our lives and our contentment? Is it because we're not, it is because we are not wise. We know, we're smart, and we're even savvy. But we are not wise, and that is a problem. So what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 and I phrased it that way purposely. It, it's a problem. There is such a massive, massive lack of wisdom in our world. It, 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 causes, it causes a lot of trouble. And the bottom line, Jonathan, just, just a, a quick side thought, is we don't have time for wisdom anymore. How sad. Because wisdom takes time to develop, and we just don't have time for it. So, folks, think about that. We're going to be talking about wisdom, and where do you find wisdom, and what is wisdom, and what makes wisdom work, and, and all of those things. So we'd love to hear uh, from you on that. Uh, so so let's, let's start just with a dictionary definition of, of wisdom. Accumulated philosophical or scientific learning, knowledge, ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, insight, Judgment. All right. So there, there's a lot of pieces to, to wisdom. And at the end of this segment, Jonathan, I'm going to give you my own personal definition. I don't know why, but I just like to make up definitions for things after I study them. Sure. And say, okay, this seems to me to be the way it all fits together. So mm-hmm. the, the Rick definition is coming up soon. Uh, but let's get started here with just a, a soundbite from Macquarie University, the vice chancellor of Macquarie University, and that's in Australia. Uh, this was a, a, a talk he gave in 2011. And he says something here that's very, very interesting about our perception of wisdom. As far as young people are concerned, wisdom is the province of ghost whisperers, extraterrestrials like (laughs) Mistress Falk, the Vulcan from Star Trek, and wizened kung fu sages. Your body is the arrow, your spirit is the bow, grasshopper. 
Wise people are not only seen as old and alien and weird, but also bookish and whisk-averse and unemotional. No wonder young people ignore their pearls of wisdom. So it, it's interesting because our perception of wisdom is it's just plain old boring. How sad. It's old and wrinkly and quiet and boring. And because of that, who wants that in your life when you can have all kinds of other things? Step right up right now. Anyway. It sounds like, oh, all that stuff's old right. in the past. Right. It's not new. It's not updated. Right. Catch up, you know. Te- te- yeah. Text what wisdom is. <laughs> so we, we see wisdom as out of place in our world. In, in a lot of ways. And when we see pictures of wisdom, we, we oh, you're right. We see them as somebody old or old-fashioned or something like that. And don't we see humanity that forgets wisdom repeating bad experiences over and over and over again because they miss the lesson? Yeah, well, that's part of the problem, not having wisdom in the world. So, folks, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about what we think is a real problem in our world, the lack of wisdom. We'd love to hear your thoughts on wisdom, what it means and how it applies or doesn't apply in your life. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, uh, for the next few minutes, I'm going to consider this a, a scriptural rant. Okay, here we <laughs> <All right>. go. <laughs> what happened to us? Well, let the, the scriptures tell us what happened to us, and they tell us very bluntly. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppose the truth is unrighteousness. Suppress the truth. I'm sorry, suppress, thank you, the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So the Apostle Paul here is saying, look, the hum- human race has ample opportunity to know and understand and appreciate the massive creative ability uh, of God. The strength, order, and the complexity of all of creation is before the brightest minds of men, and yet all they see is their own thinking, their own doing, and they take all the credit for their own discoveries. <laughs> now, now, think about this for a second. Okay, you know, and... and <laughs> here, here's the problem. We, we, look at, we look at the world around us. We look at the universe. We look at the human form, for instance. And we say, um, we, we think we can explain it all out. And then when humanity makes discoveries and fu- figures out, you know, they discover how to, how to map the, the DNA chain. Mm-hmm. And, and we think we're so smart for being able to map something that's always been there as far as we can tell. We're not so smart for being able to map it. All we're doing is observing what somebody, some being, actually put in place that is so incredibly complex, it is literally mathematically impossible for that to have happened by chance. And how many times does science have to change their opinions right. based on new discoveries. Right, based on uncovering things that were already there that are, yes. again, so massively complex. Right before you. And yet, in, in science, you cannot possibly give credit to a higher intelligence 
be, for, for such incredible complexity. You can't do it. Now, why can't you do that? I don't know. I just don't know. I don't get that part. And the scripture goes even further here, Jonathan. Let's, let's go verses 21 to uh, 23. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God from an image in the form of corruptible men, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. So now, here's the next step. You know, in, in the first part of the, the set of scriptures, the apostle is saying, you've got creation, will you just open your eyes and look, and, and be in awe of it? And it's of of its complexity and its harmony, and say, "Wow, there's got to be a plan to this." Mm-hmm. Okay. The next part is now saying, "Okay, they they knew God, but they they traded knowledge of God in, and professing to be wise, they became fools and created idolatry." Now, idolatry is putting anything before the Creator. Okay, so idolatry can be, you know, worshiping a, a stone idol or something like that. That's what we always think about. Sure. But, you know, we have that, that television show that's still on, I think, American Idol. Uh, yes. That's idolatry. You look at, look at sports figures and, you, and you, that's idolatry. We have created idolatry in all aspects of our lives. And we profess to be wise, but we've become foolish. Man's professions of wisdom have taken the sacred human creation, uh, man being created in God's own image, and we've reduced that sacredness, that difference, to being just another animal in the food chain, if you will. A kind of evolution yes, scenario. Yes. So in so doing, we've removed heavenly accountability and replaced it with an ever-changing subjective morality. Now, think about that for a second. Folks, we're talking about wisdom. There's heavenly accountability on one side of the, of, 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 the, of the issue here, and there's subjective morality on the other side. Subjective morality is means that the, the morality with which you act will change depending on the circumstances, and you're trying to do things for the good of all. But right actually changes. Okay? And we have made mankind just another animal in the food chain. And that is just when you look at the differences and people say, well, you know, the DNA between a human and a pig is, you know, 98% the same. Yeah, so what? I mean, so what? That, that incredible complexity is already the, is maybe close to the same. But what about the human mind? How did the human mind make this enormous, gigantic leap away from the rest of the animal creation? Folks... When we say it's just another part of the animal creation, that's not wisdom. That's folly. That's foolishness. Just observe the reality and, and, look, at you, and look at it and say, you know what? There's got to be something more to that. There's got to be some kind of intelligence there. Let's go, go a little further. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm starting to sweat over here. <laughs> Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So with this earth-born and sin-laden brand of, quote, wisdom, the inevitable, inevitable outcome is to serve self, to find the lowest common denominator of degradation and proclaim that everyone can truly be equally uh, important there. And that's human. That's, that's a human brand of wisdom. And how sad that is, because what we've done is we've forgotten God. We've forgotten the fact that we are the result of intelligent creation. And as a result of forgetting that result, everything has fallen apart. So here we are. We've arrived at a place of information, power, speed, and greed. All of this and no peace 
amongst us. And, and no, no wisdom, and for no, sure. Right, right. Where can we find wisdom? For when we find it, peace will surely follow. And those two things always go together. Wisdom and peace go together. Wisdom is available. We just need to open, be open to its deepest source. So let's go back. You use Proverbs 9.1 as a, as a theme. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Proverbs 9.1 and go through verse 6 as well. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her maidens, and she calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine I mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding. So it's a great, great illustration that not only has wisdom built her house upon her seven pillars, but she's prepared a meal for you and a place for you to sit and to learn and to absorb so you are no longer naive, so you are no no longer walking in foolishness. It's like, hey, come on in here. I've got something to show you that can change the way you look at life. So how do we find that? How do we find what Proverbs is showing us as an example? And, and, and Jonathan, with that, let me give you the Rick definition of wisdom. Okay. See, t- and after looking at all this, in, in my own mind, so this is, a, this is a Rick thought, absolutely. Wisdom is experience, observation, and knowledge applied through the lens of integrity, justice, and mercy. Uh, one more time. Wisdom is experience, observation, and knowledge applied through the lens of integrity, justice, and mercy. And as we go through this and we develop the thought of wisdom and godly wisdom, I think we're going to see all those pieces start to come into play. Because what we want, you know, you can get all kinds of different wisdom in the world. But oh, what, you can. But what you want is the best kind. Yes, You want absolutely. the kind that's not going to fall apart uh, under pressure. You want the kind of wisdom that's going to stand above and beyond all of those other things. So the big question is, where do you get a wisdom that's that strong and that solid and that abiding? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. We're talking about where do we find wisdom. Coming up, so what are the seven pillars on which wisdom resides? Can we know? Where can we look? Why only seven? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. This is Christian Questions. Welcome back. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. We're talking about where do we find wisdom. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, in the first segment, we were talking about uh, what happened. Why is there so little wisdom in the world in which we live? And the scriptures gave us the, the ample explanation. It's because man is full of, 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 of pride and conceit and selfishness and is just not willing to give credit to higher intelligence. And it just it boggles but it's my mind. all around us. Right. God's intelligence. Of course it is. Of His course wisdom. it is. When you think about, when you think about just, just a strand of DNA and the amazing complexity to that and how many years it took to just map it out 
And, you know, when we mapped it out, you know, everybody stopped and clapped like, wow, we are good. Look what we did. Yeah. <laughs> All we did was record what was already there. And, and people say that happened by pure chance. Unbelievable how foolish we are sometimes. Um, Jonathan, we're talking about the seven pillars of wisdom talked about in, 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 in Proverbs. And we're going to make some suggestions as to what those pillars might be. We don't know for sure, but, hey, we're just going to make a suggestion and see what you think. Uh, first, let's start with a quote, though. He- Henry David Thoreau. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Ah, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's so true, though. What do you see? And, and you know, those, those Roman scriptures really fit into that. It really did. You know, what do you see? Well, let's go to a soundbite. This is from Barry Schwartz. He was giving a TED Talk. I love TED Talks. Uh, and it was on wisdom, our loss of wisdom. And we're, we're entitling this short soundbite, Good News, Bad News. The good news is that you don't need to be brilliant to be wise. The bad news is that without wisdom, brilliance isn't enough. It's as likely to get you into trouble and other people into trouble as anything else. That's profound. You don't need to be brilliant to be wise. I am so thankful for that. <laughs> and brilliance without wisdom is likely to get you into trouble. Interesting. So think about that as we go through this. So let's go to uh, uh, look, looking at some scriptures. First, a text that defines wisdom from above. And, and this is interesting. This is why we're using this scripture as one of the bases for these seven pillars of wisdom in Proverbs. James three thirteen to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. All right. Don't you want the works of your life born of wisdom? Yes. That's a, that's a great, great phrase. What we do reflects the wisdom that we apply. I think that's what that scripture is, that part of the scripture is telling us. So now uh, uh, the, the apostle or, or James goes a little further. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. From where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. So it's interesting because he talks about uh, bitter envy and selfish ambition and, and boastful and all of those things. And he calls that earthly wisdom. He does. But it's interesting because when you look at Lucifer and his fall... That's his, the description of his fall. Yeah, it is. It really is. It, it really <laughs> that is. maps him out. So it says that this is not wisdom from above, but it's unspiritual. It's devilish. It's, it's like yeah. you said, it, it's of the devil. Now he, now he does the contrast. But the wisdom from above, let's continue. Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. It's interesting that there are seven things that he, 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 he defines the wisdom from above as. Pure, peaceable, gentle, full of mercy and good fruits, uh, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality and without um, a, a trace of hypocrisy. That sounds like Jesus. Yeah, it me. does. And, and it's interesting, there are seven of those. So just, just keep that hey. in mind. Ooh, just keep that in mind. Interesting. I think, and, and here's the lesson from that scripture, and we're going we're gonna to take those apart in, in a little bit. Think about the source of the wisdom that you and I are applying. When we are applying, quote, wisdom in our lives, where are we getting it from? Well, God's Word. Well, we hope. Yeah. But what if we're not? 
See, the point is, in this scripture, if you're not, then the wisdom you're applying can, just like the soundbite, can get you into trouble. Yes. Folks, we're talking about wisdom, and goodness knows we need help. Give us a call (laughs) at 866-985-4255, toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page. Befriend us and go to our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. So it's about wisdom, and it's about the sad lack of wisdom that we see uh, in the world. And what we're attempting to do is put in place a, a, a perspective on spiritual wisdom, where it's from, how it works, and what we want, uh, what, how we want it to, to, to change our lives. You realize that wisdom changes your life. Yes. It absolutely is a life-changing experience if you put wisdom in place. Now let's look at another scripture. We have the James 3, 13 to 18. Let's look at a text that focuses on personal application of godliness principles. So we had one that lists wisdom out. Right. Now this is about personal application of godly principles. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become partakers of the divine nature. So this is great because what this says is okay. By, go- by God's divine power, we've been given everything we need for godliness. Yes. See, now that's like a, whew, that's a relief. As long as we're stuck in that. Right, and as long as that's where we're focusing yes, and applying that's where we're looking to get our input from. Yes. So that's what he says you know, in, in terms of um, uh, putting things in, in perspective. Okay, you've got everything you need. Again, the contrast between what we run away from and what we are running towards is important here. Let's read the rest of this verse, Jonathan, and then we'll go to the phones. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind, and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. So if you forget these things, you're not wise. Yeah, because that, that, really, that's it. Wisdom has the ability to look beyond just what's in front of you. That's that's one of the whole points of wisdom. But it's interesting. There were seven things there that uh, the apostle listed. So seven more. Seven okay. more. What are they? All right, they are goodness, which is virtue, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness. Mutual affection and love. So just keep it in mind that we've got two scriptures that list out seven different things that really have a lot to do with wisdom. And we're going to spend some time on those uh, in just a few moments. But let's go to the phones first. All right. Well, we have Beth from Tennessee. Welcome to Christian Questions, Beth. Hey, good morning, guys. Beth, good to hear from you. Hey, I I can't hear you very well, so I'm just going to... I'm going to do a Randall this morning, and um, I'm going to go through... You know, there are are books of wisdom in the Old Testament, uh, Job, 
Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And one thing that's very interesting um, is that the prerequisite for wisdom is the fear of God. Um, The Bible says the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Um, Wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. Wisdom is like an inheritance. Wisdom gives life to one who possesses it. Um, God created the world in wisdom, and knowledge comes from God. We don't know the way to it. It it can't be found in the living, but God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. The fear of the Lord is wisdom, and the depart from evil is understanding. So I just kind of wanted to add those scriptures and still listening, still love you guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, and have a great day. Uh, thanks, Beth. Thanks so much. Great, great, great to hear from you. Take care. So so she just wanted to add the scriptures, some, a few scriptures, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Beth is adding four books to the Bible for your personal study. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, you know, because she calls them books of wisdom. And and the whole, and she's right. She she nailed it because the basis of all real, true, abiding, everlasting wisdom is the, the, the fear or reverence of God. If we put fear and reverence of God first and foremost, you know what happens is your mind can now open up to what real wisdom really is. Yes. But without it, we're 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 handicapping our approach. And when you're handicapping your approach, you're not going to be able to to get uh, as far as you'd like to go. It's just because you're starting out with a great, great disadvantage. Beth, thanks so much for the call and the scriptures, and uh, God bless you. So, Jonathan, getting back to these, and folks, look, we'd love to hear from uh, you all as well, 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. That's a good idea. That might be wise, actually, Jonathan. That would be a wise thing to do because what Seeker Rewind the Full Edition does is it takes the things that we talk about, puts them into a PDF uh, formatted file. So you, you're emailed. Right. You, you're emailed with a link mm-hmm. each week when it's done, and there's graphics and illustrations, and it just ge- it sums up the program in print. So the best way to use it is, well, there's lots of ways, but one of the ways is you can listen to the archive and read along with it, and you can make notes as you go. And that's a, a great way to enhance scripture study. Seeker Rewind, the full edition. And what does it cost, by the way? It's free, Rick. No obligation. No cost, no obligation. We want you to try it out. Please give it a try. Seeker Rewind, the full edition, exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we talked about James chapter 3, and we talked about First Peter chapter 1. Each of these lists contain seven traits and seemingly put those traits in a specific order. Because the James text directly relates these to God's wisdom, and Peter relates them to the application of spiritual knowledge, and wisdom is knowledge applied, could we not look at them together as a, uh, as a rendition, as an interpretation of the seven pillars of wisdom? It really sounds neat to fit those together. Well, we're going to... And it is Second Peter, not First Peter, correct? Uh, yes. Did I okay. say First Peter? I think you did. Well, then, you know, I just didn't state it correctly. Second Peter <laughs> chapter 1 is what I meant to say. Second Peter 1, 3 to, through 9. Thanks for that. Sure. So, from James, 
it's what godly wisdom is, because James is telling us, well, the wisdom from above is, and then he lists out the things. Right, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality, without a trace of hypocrisy. So James tells us what godly wisdom is, and Second Peter tells us, okay, well, how do you apply it? All right, so let's go through and so what godly wisdom is, and we're going to go through each of these 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 seven pieces through the rest of the program. Is James says godly wisdom is pure, and Second mm-hmm. Peter says how do you apply godly wisdom through goodness and virtue? Okay, and so see the, watch the connection now. Godly wisdom, according to James, is peaceable. So how do you apply it through knowledge? Godly wisdom, according to James, is gentle. And through Peter, it's self-control. That's how you apply it. Godly wisdom, uh, according to James, is willing to yield. And that's kind of interesting because you think that if, if you're God, God doesn't yield to anybody. Or does he? Ah, ah. good question. <laughs> so godly wisdom, according to James, is willing to yield. And, and how do you apply Peter, it? Endurance. Okay, you apply it through endurance. Godly wisdom, according to James, is full of mercy. And how do you apply it? Through godliness. Godly wisdom, according to James, is without a trace of partiality. And how do you apply it? Mutual affection. Godly wisdom, according to James, is without a trace of hypocrisy. And how do you apply it? Through love, Rick. So we've just established the format for the rest of our discussion. Those are the things that we're going to look at. We're looking at those two scriptures together, taking the seven pieces of those two scriptures. Side by side. And saying, okay, how does this fit? Can this give us an, a way to understand and therefore apply godly wisdom? Because, folks, look, here's, here's the big question for the day, and it's a really simple question. Do you want to have peace in your life? I mean, inner peace. Absolutely. Okay. We all do, right? See, Jonathan's answering for you all because nobody, nobody's, nobody's like, oh, yeah, pick me. <laughs> so we all want peace in our lives. We all want tranquility. We want a sense of uh, of overall understanding and the ability to say whatever it is God's really got it in control and this is yes. why I know he's got it in control that's wisdom and if we can not only have peace in our lives but then be an example of 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 that peace Going out to others. Passing it on to others, yes. That's what true wisdom is, and that's what we're looking for in this morning's conversation about wisdom and godliness and making our lives better. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? Coming up, the scripture says God's wisdom is pure. Can wisdom ever be impure? Wait, Rick. Are you talking God's wisdom only or man's wisdom? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866 985 4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And folks, we're talking about wisdom and, and, and trying to define wisdom in a scriptural way and in, in such a format so that we can take it and say, yeah, 
I can learn that. I can do that. I can absorb that. I can be changed by that. Because And look, wisdom takes time. It's not going to be like at the end of the two hours you say, okay, I'm wise now. I mean, believe me, if we could have done that, I'd have done that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in school on this one, that's for me sure. Too. So let's start, Jonathan. Godly wisdom is pure, and we apply it through goodness. From those two scriptures in, in, in uh, Peter and, and James. Pure, purity and virtue are the first on these lists for a reason. And again, goodness and virtue, this, it's, it's the same thing. Pure, what does it mean to be pure? It means, Rick, properly clean, innocent, modest, perfect. Clean, you like that. Oh, I do. We call I Jonathan do. Mr. Clean around here. <laughs> so, um, clean, innocent, modest, perfect. God's wisdom cannot be anything but pure. If we're seeking the greatest wisdom available anywhere, it has to be the purest wisdom, and there's only one source for that. And, and, and again, when you look at to, to other sources of wisdom, you might do okay. And, and yeah, you know, you, you can learn a whole lot of things. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of decent worldly wisdom out there. There is. But it's not the same as godly wisdom. And that's the point. There, it's good, but do you want just good? No, you want the best. Do you want better? Or do you want best? You do want the best. And that's why we look to godly wisdom. First John chapter 3, uh, verses 2 to 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So, again... It talks about God being pure, and the mission of Christianity is the is purification. Absolutely. And that's not an easy mission. It takes work every single day of our lives. Well, you know, and you think about it. If you've got something that's got a stain in it, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, okay, you're going you're gonna to rinse it out with water. Uh, you can't just pass it under the water once, and then it's all done. No, you need the spot remover of uh, Christ's blood to, to wash out that stain. And you need to make sure you apply it well enough and thoroughly enough so it's completely gone. Right. And then your, your job's not done because then you have to protect the garment. And keep it clean. Right. Because otherwise you have to go through that all, all over again. Jesus was the perfect example of God's wisdom applied. Jesus purified himself and kept himself pure. So purity, it is God's wisdom is pure. It's clean. It's, it's perfect. It is, it is complete. Virtue. What is what is virtue, Jonathan? Manliness, <laughs> excellence. <laughs> that is the definition. It literally. is. It, I, I'm not making it up. <laughs> manliness or value, valor, mm-hmm. excellence. Yes. So virtue is moral excellence. Yes. And it is. again, that is, folks, that is something that is so terribly missing in the world in which we live. Moral excellence, doing the right thing even when no one's looking, and even when it would cost you something. One cannot begin to even grasp or begin to recognize the pure wisdom from above without moral excellence, without virtue, or else the journey would be corrupted right from the start. So you see, the wisdom from above is intrinsically pure, but if we are not striving for moral excellence, we're not going to see it. And what about Jesus and his example? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, and, and that, that was perfect. Everything yeah. he did, even in secret by himself, nothing went against God's principles. Exactly. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, explains that, that exactly what you're saying. Uh, and and we'll, we need to just make a couple of comments on that. Who existed in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, 
being made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. So what this is saying is, is Jesus existed spiritually as God, as God did. Uh, but he didn't count equality with God as something that you know you can ever ever, ever grasp. No. But on the contrary, he allowed himself to be reduced to the form of man. That's what the scripture says. That reminds me of the Isaiah, who shall we send and who right. will go for us? And Jesus volunteered, send me. Right, here am I, send me. Yeah. And not only did he voluntarily empty himself of the spiritual nature and become man, but then he emptied himself of the manly nature and was willing to die. Wow. So that's what, there, that is moral excellence. Because that's virtue. there was a mission that needed to be accomplished, and he stepped up and gave everything for the good of that mission and not for the good of himself. And hopefully in CQ Rewind, we can put Proverbs eight twenty-two through 30, which really describes the beautiful relationship of father and son uh, before creation. So make a note of that. So there is a very humble quality to this first pillar of wisdom. This first pillar of God's wisdom is pure, and it is applied through virtue or through uh, moral excellence. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to a soundbite here, and then we're going to go to the phones. Uh, let's go back to Barry Schwartz. He's giving that TED Talk on our loss of wisdom. And again, this is another fascinating little tidbit that he's explaining about what happens and what has happened in our world in relation to wisdom. Moral skill is chipped away by an over-reliance on rules that deprives us of the opportunity to improvise and learn from our improvisations. And moral will is undermined by an incessant appeal to incentives that destroy our desire to do the right thing. And without intending it, by appealing to rules and incentives, we are engaging in a war on wisdom. That might be a little hard to understand. The point is that when you have too many rules and incentives in place, you lose the ability for people to choose the higher way and choose the right way because you're essentially forcing them. You're treating them like such little children. Oh, do this and you'll get a piece of candy. Oh, okay. And so when you do that, people don't do it for the reason of doing it because it's right. They do it for the piece of candy. And that's a war on wisdom. So when we over-incentivize the world around us, what we're really doing is dumbing down our motivation. Good point. We're taking wisdom out and just saying, do this and get that. And what ends up happening, instead of doing things for the right reasons, we do things because I can gain something from it. And there is no wisdom in that. Let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. What is your question? Uh, where do we get wisdom? Yes. Where do we find it? Yeah. Where do we find it? I would say the book of Proverbs. Okay. And I believe one day on the basis of Jeremiah 31, 34, uh, it will be mandatory uh, curriculum. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I appreciated your wife's being on last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great testimony to your Christian values. They, Thank you. They did excellent stuff. Um, Beth mentioned one of the scriptures. She mentioned several. One of my favorite ones is Psalms uh, 111.10. And she mentioned the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, it's, a, it's a one uh, good one. In Psalms, I like Psalms 25.12. Uh, one man is he that feareth the Lord. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. In Isaiah 30.21, uh, it uh, talks about thine ears shall hear voice. Behind thee, 
this is the way, walk in it or something like that. And uh, with, uh, on the basis of Isaiah uh, 20, 30, 21, uh, this is the way uh, that uh, God would direct your way. I go back to one of my uh, cute uh, sayings I, I shared with you some time ago that says, quote, if, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. <laughs> God bless. Thanks, Julius. Appreciate your call. <laughs> now that was wisdom. I love it. <laughs> if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we skipped a quote, Rick. Oh, oh, a quote, quote, quote. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we were trying putting uh, extra quotes in. Albert Pine. What does he say? What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others and the world remains and is immortal. So, again, uh, it, w- it really puts things in perspective. It's not about me. It's about our, my contribution. It's about how we make our world better off. And, you know, Christianity's ob- ultimate objective is to make the world better off and perfect. It is, but unfortunately... That doesn't always seem to happen. No, no. And, and of course, the, the Christian objective is not going to take place in this lifetime. So, you know, that's another thing about the remaining of what you do being so, so important. Let's move on to, to our next point. Now that we've a pure message, okay, remember that godly wisdom is pure. That's received with moral excellence or virtue. Mm-hmm. The next pillar of wisdom is to recognize and comprehend the message. So God's wisdom, according to James, is peaceable. And how do we apply it? Through knowledge. Okay? So it's peaceable. Now, what does it mean? God's wisdom is peaceable in a very comprehensive sense. His plan is a plan of peace. The, the word for peaceable really is pretty easy to understand, It is. Right? Relating to peace, yep. Um, loving peace, bringing peace with it, peaceable, uh, solitary. Um, so the idea is God's wisdom is peaceable, and the interesting thing is his plan is a plan of peace. Luke two ten to 14. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was, with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So peace, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the message of the plan of God. How do we apply that wisdom of of the message of peace? Through knowledge. Knowledge is, the the Greek word is gnosis, it really means knowing. It does. Okay? A deep and abiding knowledge of God's plan can be transformative. So you've got to dig deep into the scriptures to know. And that's important. Wisdom does not exist without knowledge. Right. Knowledge can exist without wisdom. Oh, you're right. And it it ends up just being a a short-circuited approach to life. But wisdom built upon knowledge is is where we can begin, especially godly knowledge and scriptural knowledge, is where we can really begin to develop uh, that that wisdom in our lives. uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So, again, you have a, a, a sense of where do you go for the best wisdom? You go to the Scriptures because all Scripture is inspired. It's there for our use. It's there for our development. It's there for our growing up in godly wisdom. And, Jonathan, just before we end here, we got another uh, quote, this one from Albert Einstein. Education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. See, so he's focusing on wisdom because the learning of facts is knowledge, and that's good, and that's a great that's a great place to start. But that's not where you were supposed to end. We're supposed to have that that learning of facts create in our minds an ability to think and to to observe and then to react in a way that those facts feed us, and, and so we can become symbols of wisdom in the world in which we live. And the scripture on peace that I always think of is in Philippians 4, 7. God's plan brings a peace that passeth all understanding. And that's what wisdom ultimately brings us. Folks, listen, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live. Stay with us for the next hour because there's so much to develop here in terms of godly wisdom and what it produces, which is, which is peace in our lives. Isn't that what you really want? So again, ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live and stay with us. So Jonathan, so far, what we have is God's wisdom is pure. It's applied through goodness or virtue or moral excellence. Excellence. We have godly wisdom is peaceable. The plan of God is a plan of peace. We can't really apply it unless we understand it. We can't understand it unless we study the word of God so we can make it practical. Again, you have to have the knowledge first in order to be able to have the wisdom. But boy, when you put the two together, so much more can follow. Folks, we will be back after the news and all of that. This is an important subject because there's so little wisdom in the world today. We want to get as much of it as we can from the best source that we can. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, where do we find wisdom? We'll be back after the news, but till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. George Bernard Shaw once said, Beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what are we talking about? Well, Rick, our question this morning is, where do we find wisdom? And our theme text is found in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Okay, so it's an interesting, that's a very uh, a very pictorial scripture about wisdom building a house. I mean, who told wisdom, do they have a building permit, you know? Yeah, and they use pillars. <laughs> and, and the interesting thing is, in our world, if wisdom was to come and build a house, they probably couldn't get the building permit, they probably wouldn't be able to get the property, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> 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 Wisdom's not There's, allowed. Yeah, too many rules and regulations and, that and, aren't wise. And we plan out 
wisdom right out of our lives. And so we're looking at the, 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 the Proverbs approach to wisdom as having these seven pillars, and we're looking at scriptures in James and in Peter. I think this is fascinating, Rick, that James and Peter both list seven virtues and how they, they dovetail each other. They really seem to fit side by side. And, and the scriptures in James list what God's wisdom is, what the wisdom from above is. So they list what it is, and then the Peter scriptures list, well, how do you apply it? So you've got what it is and how do you apply it. Two lists of seven. You can't ask for anything better than that. Well, to me, that seems like a really good way to try to figure out what God's wisdom is and how we apply it in our daily lives. And folks, when you apply wisdom, truly, truly apply godly wisdom, your life changes. It changes and there is much more peace in your life with godly wisdom. So if you have thoughts on godly wisdom, let us know. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday morning, 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you'd like to write us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. Again, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So, Jonathan, as we approach this, uh, just two things. First of all, my own personal definition of wisdom is wisdom is experience, observation and knowledge applied through the lens of integrity, justice, and mercy. And uh, Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, you can take a look at that. And because when you, when you lay it out, I, I put the definition together just based on the observations of the things that we're studying here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Uh, and the first two aspects of godly wisdom that we discussed this morning, Jonathan, in the first hour were uh, God's wisdom is pure. Yes, and applied in Peter, it's goodness or virtue. Okay, so applied through moral excellence, if you will. God's wisdom is peaceable. And that, Peter says, is through knowledge. Uh, uh, okay, so next is godly wisdom is gentle. And how do we apply it? Well, through self-control. Okay. And wow, that's a challenge to be <laughs> gentle at all times, like Jesus was. So let's figure out how is God's wisdom gentle. First of all, what does gentle mean? It means appropriate, mild, uh, seeming uh, suitable, equitable. All right. So it gives a sense of appropriate. I, li- I like mm-hmm. that because yeah. it's appropriate. God's wisdom is suitable and equitable and as its basis is justice and mercy. To see its equitability, we must look at the big picture, the plan from beginning to end. Because see, too often people look at scripture and they'll pick out a scripture or, or a part of scriptural history and say, oh, that's a, that's a nasty God you got there. But they're not seeing the whole picture. So when you look at the whole picture, God's wisdom is gentle. And here's a great scripture that explains the folly of picking out a part without seeing the whole thing. Zephaniah 3, verses 8 and 9. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up as a witness. Indeed, my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, all my burning anger, for all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. So, God's wisdom is gentle. Did you see that in those <laughs> verses? You didn't, right? No. And you read that and you say, gee, how can you even say God's wisdom is gentle? You just read that. Well, the answer is because you have to read the next verse. For then I will give to the people purified lips that all of them may call on the name of the Lord to serve him shoulder to shoulder. It's a whole different end result because unless we see the whole picture, we're not going to see the gentle appropriateness 
equitability in the plan of God. God's wisdom is gentle from the standpoint that being gentle doesn't mean that you don't allow things to happen. Right. Being gentle means that you allow things to happen and put them all in the right perspective. See, that's the, 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 the genteel approach that God has in his wisdom to us. So now we look at God's wisdom as being gentle, and how do we apply it? We have to use self-control. Yes, we do. What does self-control mean? It means uh, self-control, especially count, countenance, and the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. Okay, so the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. So in other words, get your act together, yep. and just because you feel something doesn't mean you do what you feel. Live at a higher standard, right. God's standard. And that's, that's, that's wisdom. So because godly wisdom is equitable in a long-term proposition, and you know, you can't say that enough. God's wisdom is equitable because it's a long-term proposition. It only makes sense that our application of it has to pass, pass through the gates of self-control. To be a wise steward of God's mysteries. Remember in, in the first hour we were talking about uh, the knowledge? Yes. God's plan, God's plan is peaceable. Yes. And we apply that through knowledge. Mm-hmm. So to be a wise steward of God's mysteries, we have to learn to focus on not only the plan, but um, not focus on our own agenda. See, because Which is hard because we're selfish and we, we have our own thoughts. Right, right. You've got to push those out. There's nothing wrong with having your own thoughts, but when our own thoughts conflict with the overall plan of God and the overall application of the wisdom of God, then we've got a serious, serious problem. So God's wisdom is gentle. Now, again, sometimes, you know, you you look at all of the scriptures that talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, God punishing those who do evil and all of that, and you say, well, that's not gentle. But when you look at the end result of all of that... Eternity? Yeah, eternity, it is gentle, because that's the way a parent would do it. A parent is going to discipline you so you learn, and you don't have to go down that road again. Nice. That's truly a gentle approach to life. God's wisdom is gentle. That's what we want. So we have to be self-controlled in that. Now, an interesting scripture about Jesus fulfilling the gentle approach of God through self-control. John chapter 4, verses 31 to 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus, in this particular scripture, uh, he was physically hungry, but that wasn't the important thing. Okay, The important thing was to be doing the the, the work of God. The bread from heaven. Right. And he said, that's, that's what nourishes Heavenly me. Heavenly nourishment. You know, so that was the self-control that Jesus expressed to us there. His self-control was, look, my life is about certain priorities, and I'm putting the godly priorities first. And sure, I'll eat later when I have time. This has got to be our focus, too. And that's a hard, you, you said it before, that's a hard focus. It because, is. Because, you know, when we're hungry, we want to eat. Yeah. When we're angry, we want to yell. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being gentle. <laughs> right, right. When we're when we're when we're frustrated, uh, we want to lash out instead of self control. The the gentleness of the plan. God's wisdom is gentle. Therefore, we need to learn 
how that gen- gentleness in his approach uh, is so so important. Now, here's another, another problem with this, Jonathan, is people often mistake a gentle and kind attitude for weakness. They do. They do. And um, How sad that is. And it is because you're, you're missing the boat on a whole lot of things. Wisdom understands this and applies the necessary self-control to rise above that miscalculation. Because if we are trying to be gentle in our lives and in our approach to other people and people are misunderstanding, it's easy to just lash out and say, you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm being as nice as I possibly can. <laughs> so the the idea is wisdom understands self-control is so, so important in getting God's gentle wisdom applied in our lives. Another quote, Jonathan, this one from James Allen. A man remains ignorant because he loves ignorance and chooses ignorant thoughts. A man becomes wise because he loves wisdom and chooses wise thoughts. There's a choice there. It's simple. There is. And we can, we can, our world loves ignorance. It really, truly does. It likes knowledge. It likes things. It likes self-fulfillment and all of those things. But our world really focuses on ignorance. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about wisdom and how to get more of God's wisdom in our lives. 866-985-4255, toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, let's go to a soundbite. This is Will Smith, the actor. Uh, He's got a lot going on in that head of his. (laughs) And in this particular interview, he's talking about the difference between talent and skill. The separation of talent and skill is one of the, 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 the greatest misunderstood concepts for people who are trying to excel, who have dreams, that want to do things. Talent you have naturally. Skill is only developed by hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft. I've, I've never really viewed myself as particularly talented. Where I excel is ridiculous sickening work ethic you know while the other guy's sleeping i'm working while the other guy's eating i'm working there's no easy way around it no matter how talented you are your talent is going to fail you if you're not skilled so that's interesting because you know oftentimes we see people who do great things and say well they've got great talent yeah that's true and they do have great talent but they, the skill that they've developed and worked at and, and labored at... Well, think of the Olympics. Yeah, makes the talent rise above. Talent never, ever gets anything done. Talent's just a place to start. Good point. So, uh, anyway, just thought that was a wise quote from Will Smith there. So, let's go on to the next one, Jonathan. Godly wisdom uh, is willing to yield. And you think, well, wait a minute. That doesn't even make sense. And how do we apply it? Well, through endurance. So, how do, you, how do these two things fit together? Willing to yield... Uh, good for persuasion, m- meaning it can be persuaded. Compliant, easily obeying. Yeah. Now, why? How is God's wisdom compliant? How can God's wisdom possibly be obeying or compliant when it's pure, focused on peace, and gentle? Shouldn't everything have to comply with God's wisdom? You would think, but... God's godly wisdom has a curious combination of an ability to bend along the way where possible for the sake of learning while it's still firmly focused and on and not violating its vision. So in God's incredible depth of wisdom, 
there is a willingness to yield. You say, okay, show me that. As long as it doesn't change his plans and purposes. And as long as it's for the purpose of a learning, an eternal learning experience. 1 Samuel 8, chapter 4 to 7 is a classic example of God's wisdom being willing to yield. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us? And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them. So God, Samuel complains to God. The people want a king. We're not supposed to have kings. We're judges. That's what you told us to do. We're doing what you told us to do. What should I do? God's response to Samuel is, listen to the voice of the people. Though the judges were God's wisdom, right. kings are worldly wisdom. Right. So God was compliant. He anyway. bent to the desires of his people, even though they were wrong. He knew they were wrong, but he saw it as the power of experience, and he went along with it. And he went as far as to tell them, said, okay, you can have a king, just tell them all the things that are going to happen when they have a king, because this is human nature. That's right. You never give one man all of that power, because the power is going to go to his head. Yep. That, that, and that's a very basic principle. God told Samuel to tell the people, Samuel told the people they wanted a king anyway, they got the king, and all of the bad stuff ended up coming true. The point is, God's wisdom was willing to yield for the purpose of teaching an eternal lesson. Now that is bold wisdom. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? Coming up, how does humanity's appetite for experience play into the wisdom of God? Do all things work together for good? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And we're talking about wisdom, and a wise thing to do would be to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, if you haven't already. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service. No obligation? It is exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com, and it takes our broadcast every Sunday morning and puts it on paper. It puts it into a PDF uh, file format. Uh, each week when that is done, uh, we send you out an email saying, okay, here it is, here's the link. It's a Bible study per topic, graphics, illustrations, bonus material, and things we don't even have time to cover. So all of the things we've talked about today, for instance, will be in that rewind so you can just get a sense of, okay, here's how they approached wisdom. Do I like it? Is there something they missed? Is there more that can be added? And it just makes it easy to uh, to, to take the program and, and make it uh, have a, have a more lasting effect. Seeker Rewind, the full edition, sign up now at ChristianQuestions.com. Again, a free service. So, Jonathan, at the, last, at the end of the last segment, we were talking about God's wisdom is willing to yield. That's right. And endurance is how we apply that. Right. Now, the willingness to yield is kind of a hard thing to grasp. You know, why would God be willing to yield? And the answer is for the purpose of teaching. Mm-hmm. For the purpose of teaching an eternal lesson. So, endurance means what? Endurance 
means cheerful or hopeful endurance, steadfastness. All right, steadfastness. So being able to stand firm. And you'd think that being willing to yield and steadfastness don't necessarily go together, but they really, really do. Because think about this. Once we understand that God's wisdom bends for the sake of teaching, though it never denies its own purpose, we realize that the world will look at this and revile us for worshiping a God who allows killing and allows evil and allows innocent people to suffer. But that's what God does. He allows it for a purpose, for an eternal purpose. Here, it's our steadfast endurance that has to carry us through. So if we are going to apply God's wisdom and and look at God's plan in, in its application, we have to have that endurance that says... We w- must be patient as God is patient. See, wisdom is, is, is formulated through patience. It really, really is. I mean, Jesus was mocked throughout his Christian walk. Yes. And he had endurance anyway. Right. He, saw, he knew the big picture. Right, right. And we see the apostles going through the same kinds of things. Exactly. Uh, and so, 1 Peter four twelve to 14 is about the endurance that's built on God's willingness to yield to a very difficult world. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may receive rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of God rests on you. So, the idea is don't be surprised by difficulties, but that's where cheerful endurance has to come in. But take them, understanding that this is part of the sharing in the sufferings of Christ. It's a cause to rejoice, even though the the actual... Difficulty doesn't make us like, oh, look at me, I'm so happy, I'm having a big trial no, in my life. No, <laughs> that's tough. no, but but the idea is, wisdom is found in the ability, when appropriate, to yield, and it is found in the ability to stand firm through that as we go through our lives. One more quote, Jonathan, uh, on this is from Eckhart Tolle: The primary cause of unhappiness is never the situation, but your thoughts about it. And that is powerful. That's where that cheerful endurance comes in, especially if we've yielded. And, you know, as a, as a parent, you have to be willing to yield because it, you give your child an ability to make a decision. And it may be the wrong one, and you know it's the wrong one. But they're going to learn from it. And that's the point. And you've got to stick with letting them learn that lesson. And believe me, it's as a parent, hard. It's so hard. It is. Let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Proverbs 8.12. I, wisdom, live with prudence, and I attain knowledge and discretion. The Christian knows that wisdom is not owned by TV judges or doctors, or the property of space aliens, or even those with certificates or degrees. Wisdom is given to all in Scripture. Psalm 36.9. For with you is the fountain of life, In your light, we see light. The Christian, by living Jesus' example of selflessness and trust in God, uncovers the wisdom and peace that is his even in this mortal world. Prudence is not in the details in the law, but in the attitude of love. And the practice of Christianity both brings and is wisdom. 1 John 5.20 
The Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. So wisdom and prudence uh, live live together, and uh, they might be sisters or something. And <laughs> you know, the idea, the idea, Jonathan, is godly wisdom is such a valuable asset in our lives. What are we doing to try to find it, try to understand it, and then try to apply it? I mean, you'd think when you have this value, valuable asset, and remember early in the program that Proverbs scripture said, you know, wisdom has built her house, yes. and she's prepared a meal for you, like, come on in, yeah. and so you don't have to be ignorant anymore. I mean, it, it's there for the taking, it's there for the learning, all we have to do is apply ourselves to it. Randall, thanks so much, we appreciate it. Jonathan, let's go back to uh, Barry Schwartz, the TED Talk uh, on our loss of wisdom. This next soundbite uh, is a little bit longer, but it gives a sense of some of the folly of knowledge in the world in which we live. Let's listen. Scripted lockstep curricula. Here's an example from Chicago Kindergarten. Reading and enjoying literature and words that begin with B, the bath. Assemble students on a rug. Give students a warning about the dangers of hot water. Say... 75 items in this script to teach a 25-page picture book all over Chicago in every kindergarten class in the city. Every teacher is saying the same words in the same way on the same day. We know why these scripts are there. We don't trust the judgment of teachers enough to let them loose on their own. Scripts like these are insurance policies against disaster. And they prevent disaster. But what they assure in its place is mediocrity. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And I I know Matt's running the board today. He's a school teacher. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if you want to say anything, Matt. No. <laughs> but the, the point here, Jonathan, is that, okay, they don't trust the teacher's ability to get the point across. And they're afraid of disaster where a teacher can't get the point across. We even see that in Christianity today, Rick. Yeah, and, and you know, it, the, the, sad. The, the sad thing is that what happens is, so because you're afraid of disaster, what you end up with is a focus and a, and a settling for everyone basking in the glory of mediocrity. It's dumbing down again. Yes, yes it is. And wisdom dictates the ability to trust in those with whom you've given responsibility. And their God's spirit. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and what, but I'm talking about in terms of the, of the teaching uh, picture. You, if we don't trust our teachers, the kind of people who are going to end up becoming teachers are not the kind of people we want to teach. You're right. Because the, the ones who... Start. Want to teach now? Want to make a difference? Absolutely. But here they're being told, "Well, no, you can't make a difference. You have to make a difference the way we tell you, with the words we tell you, the way and in the, the, the time that we tell you." Oh. And that's you're going to take all of the goodness and the greatness out of teaching because of that, and that does apply spiritually as well. So interesting, interesting thoughts on our loss of wisdom in this world. So Jonathan, we had the God's wisdom is willing to yield and uh, it has to be applied through endurance. Next point on God's wisdom, next pillar of God's wisdom is God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. And we apply it through godliness. Okay, so let's try to figure out how that's all going to work. Um, God knows that his human creation has a voracious appetite for experience. 
Humanity loves experience. And in his wisdom, he has provided for that appetite to be filled within the context of sin so that the wisdom of his mercy can not only shine through, but eventually be seen and embraced by all who so choose. See, that's the point. God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. And mercy is compassion, Rick. Okay, so mercy is compassion. God in his compassion says, okay, I will allow that voracious appetite for experience to be fulfilled so the lesson can be learned that all experiences, because they can happen, doesn't mean they should happen. Right. That's the point of God's wisdom being full of mercy and and good fruits. Let's go to uh, a scripture on this and then we'll go to the phones. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. And again, Jonathan, that's a dramatic example. And when you say God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits, that's not the scripture you normally think of. No, it's not. (laughs) Because it's 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 a heinous sin that King David had committed. That's right. But the point of the mercy and good fruits is God allowed the experience to happen Put consequences, deep and harsh consequences in place. And that happened his whole life. Right. David's whole life. But David learned from that. Yes. And and, and And he humbled himself. We also can learn from that. And that's why God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits, because it's a long-term approach. Jonathan, let's go to the phone. All right. Well, we have Keith from Tennessee. Good morning, Keith, and welcome to Christian Questions. Well, good morning. I can hear you today. The last time I could barely hear you. Uh, And let me say thanks to Jesus. That's the time time will be no more. But with respect to wisdom... Wisdom for me is uh, doing those things which bring the blessings of God into my life and avoiding those things which bring the curses. And that's explicated by uh, uh, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, Solomon in um, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, especially Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and uh, Jesus um, in the Sermon on the Mount. And also wisdom is recognizing and realizing that Jesus was who he said he was. You know, there's a famous rat experiment uh, in which the rats get rewarded for good behavior and punished for bad behavior. And eventually they get bored with being rewarded. And uh, they start going for the punishment. And, and uh, humans, to, uh, in a perverse way, are, are kind of like that. Uh, one of the greatest athletes who ever said, uh, whoever lived, said that uh, um, uh, you should, as far as uh, being a winner, never change a winning game and always change a losing game. But Humans, for some reason, uh, maybe it's rooted in an original sin, um, you know, seem to be like the rats. You know what I mean? Get tired of things, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. All right, Keith, well, thanks. Appreciate your thoughts very much. Uh, Right on target today. Thank you. God bless. Take care. And, you know, he said something very important. You know, bringing God's wisdom to him is bringing the things, the blessings of God into his life. Yes. And, and, you know, it's it's a great 
simple, straightforward way to say, okay, how am I doing in the, in the area of wisdom development in my own life? So Keith, thanks. So we appreciate it. Brought several scriptures as well. Godly wisdom is full of mercy, and we have to apply it through godliness. What is godliness? Piety, reverence, respect. Okay, reverence and respect, living a reverent life. Upon seeing the examples of bending and complying, you know, that we've seen of God's, and, and God's mercy and um, uh, God's wisdom and its ability to do those things, in spite of all these things, it bears fruit. And it can be tempting to relax and rely on God's mercy to bail us out. Oh, that's true. We get lazy sometimes. Because we see God saying, okay, I'm willing to bend for this and that. Well, good, he could be willing to bend for me too. I mean, just, I, look, he, he forgave David. So if he forgave David all that, since surely if I sin a little bit, he's going to forgive me. And that can be a cause for carelessness. Yes. And the scriptures, see, the wisdom, wisdom demands godliness. Carelessness is not godliness. No, it's not. Okay. Romans 6, 1 to 4, if we read this scripture and apply it to our lives, this will answer this for once and for all. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that the grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we be? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through the baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the grace of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So the Apostle Paul is saying, okay, so what are we saying then? Just because you know God is forgiving of sin, shall we just stay in sin so we can see the grace of God just abounding in our lives? May it never be, is his response. Yeah, and in the King James Version, those, that phrase is, God forbid. That's right, that's right. <laughs> okay, the point is, no! So the concept, once saved, always saved, doesn't matter what you do, that that's not right. accurate. The apostle is saying accurate. don't 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 fall into that trap. Right. Because you're not living in a godly way. That's why applying God's God's wisdom, which is full of mercy and good fruits, through godliness is so incredibly, incredibly important. Don't stay there because you think God will forgive you. Rise above it because that's what God requires of you. One more quote, Jonathan, before we close this segment. Anthony Douglas Williams. Knowledge comes from learning. Wisdom comes from living. And true wisdom comes from living in accordance with the will of God expressed through the scriptures. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? Coming up, does God's wisdom really have a place for everyone? And is God's timing perfect? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, where do we find wisdom? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Rick, we were talking about the seven pillars of wisdom wisdom found in Proverbs 9, uh, verse 1. Mm -hmm. And what have you done with that to, to identify what that could be. Well, hopefully we didn't confuse it, but what we, what we did is we took a look at James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, uh, which lists 
it says godly wisdom is, and it lists seven things. And then we looked at Second Peter chapter one verses three to nine that says it talks about applying wisdom in our lives in a way that is is, is practical. And we took those two lists of seven things and we put them side by side and said, okay, James is telling us what God's wisdom is, and Peter is telling us how we apply it. It's so interesting, and, and they really seem to fit. They do, together. And, and that's the and that's why this was so appealing in, in looking at this because it, it all fit. And you think, well, maybe this is just an expression of one of many expressions of God's wisdom in Scripture that says if you look, there are things that you can find that help us to understand as these frail humans that we, we are. So, with all of that being said, godly wisdom uh, is without a trace of partiality. That's in the, the number six pillar in James. And Rick, it's applied in Peter through mutual affection. Okay, so what does it mean to be without partiality? Undistinguished, unintelligible uh, ambiguity. Okay, so without dubiousness or ambiguity, ambiguity. If something's with, without a trace of partiality, it's, it's, it stands firm right in the middle, and it's not leaning to one way or to one person or another. Okay. Okay? The power of the wisdom of God is truly expressed through its unambiguous end game for his plan. Jesus was the ransom for Adam, and all men were under Adam. Therefore... All men will be under Christ. There, see, that's not ambiguous. No, it's not. That's not partial. It's clear. It's straightforward. Many Old Testament prophecies speak of this end. And there's a ton of them. We're just going to take one small one in Psalms 20, uh, 72, verses 17 to 19. May his name endure forever. May his n- name increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders, and blessed by his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's the way the scripture reads, amen and amen, because it says, blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Think about it. That's the reason God created the earth in the first place. So when you think God created the earth for that reason, you think he's going to back off on that? No way. But he did allow sin to enter. He did allow the experiences. He did bend to the experiences of sin so that mankind can learn lessons now that can last for eternity. So God's wisdom is without a trace of partiality, even though, you know, God has a chosen people. That's right. Israel. But what's the purpose of the chosen people? To bless the families of the earth. Right. So the purpose... And also, he calls individuals to follow after Christ. And what's the purpose of that? To bless all the families of the earth. So there's a reason for those those choices, and it's for the good of everybody. See, God's wisdom is without a trace of partiality. And how do we apply it? Well, we apply it with mutual affection, and that's Philadelphia. That's right, fraternal affection. Right. So, And it makes perfect sense. If we are impartial then we you know brotherly love let brotherly love continue we have to have that 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 spreading out of that mutual affection one hand holding up the other uh, in our in our dealing with with others with this wise and clear plan before us this impartial and unambiguous plan we have to break down the barriers between us and work together to spread the good news you know a lot of, and a lot of times christians are very very bullheaded it's <laughs> <laughs> true. And, and you know, it really comes down to being humble enough to find a way to be a contributor instead of having to do it your own way. Galatians three twenty six to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So that gives you a sense of the equality in Christ. Now, by the same token, the same apostle also wrote that some are given as apostles and some prophets and some teachers and so forth and so on. That's right. So he said that, look, we're all equal in Christ, but we all play different roles. And then I love how it ended about uh, Abraham's heirs, according to the promise, that goes right back to blessing all the families of the earth. Right, the promise in Genesis. Yeah, so it's wonderful. So the idea is we apply God's wisdom, which is without a trace of partiality, by being mutually effective together, working together, breaking down the barriers between us so we can accomplish something bigger than ourselves and something bigger than my idea. Exactly. Okay. God's idea. Right. God's plan. And that's the point. See, folks, that's the point of godly wisdom. It's it's focusing on God's will, God's way, God's methods, and God's word. And all we do is we try to contribute to those things rather than draw those others out after to follow us. Another quote here, Jonathan, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Kindness is one of the most beautiful compensations in life. We can never help another without helping ourselves. I think that's a great definition of that brotherly love that we're talking about here. So God's wisdom is without a trace of partiality, and we apply it through brotherly love. That's really what, what the scriptures, those two scriptures in Peter and James, or James and Peter are telling us. Let's go back to Barry Schwartz uh, one last time. He's given this TED Talk on our loss of wisdom, and he, he introduces a very interesting phrase. He talks about remoralizing our workplace. We ought to try to remoralize work. One way not to do it, teach more ethics courses. <laughs> there is no better way to show people that you're not serious than to tie up everything you have to say about ethics into a little package with a bow and consign it to the margins as an ethics course. What to do instead? One. Celebrate moral exemplars. So this is fascinating because we think in our world, and this is why our world is so devoid of wisdom. Okay, we need to, to raise the standard in the workplace. Let's get some ethics courses in there so teach them all how. And what happens when people in a workplace go to a course like that, they, their attitude is, oh, i got to go to this class. Okay, I wonder when does it end? Do we get a break? Can I eat something? Do I have to take notes and is there a test? <laughs> really? So, so you look at it as something I've got to do, I have to do. What he's saying is to remoralize work, don't do that. Rather celebrate those who are showing the way by what they do and how they act. And when we do that and we give, give the, the, the right kind of recognition to those kinds of things, others look at that because it's in the context of exactly what they're doing and they can now identify with it and, and, be, and, and decide, hey, you know what, that's a, good way to, that's a good way to be. Well, if you have a thought, now would be the time on where do we find wisdom. Call us at 866-985-4255. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Again, 866-985-4255. And please don't forget to sign up for Seek Your Rewind, the full edition. If you haven't already, it's a free service. It's exclusively available. At ChristianQuestions.com. Yeah, you try to say that. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, we're on to our last piece here. We've talked about six pillars of God's wisdom. The seventh pillar uh, expressed through James is godly wisdom is without a trace of hypocrisy. Now, the sixth one was without a trace of partiality. This takes it a step further. It's without a trace of hypocrisy. And how do we apply it? Through love, Rick. Okay. It's 
Pretty simple, okay? No hypocrisy applied through love. And this kind of love is different than the last kind of love. Last one was brotherly love. Mm -hmm. This kind of love is that benevolent giving without thought of receiving love. The highest form of love. Right. So this final pillar of wisdom brings us back to the first pillar, the pillar of purity. It's kind of interesting. It's like a circle almost because God's wisdom was first pure. And here it's without a trace of hypocrisy. So you're coming right back to purity. Not only is God's wisdom unadulterated, it is comprehensive, just, merciful, and complete. All because of God's love for his creation. God's wisdom is utterly and completely sincere. He does it because he means it. And that, I love that. is such a powerful explanation of the wisdom of God. God does things because he means them. And if we, can, if we get nothing else from this program, let us focus on that. Do things because you mean them, without a trace of hypocrisy. I mean, that's a, a beautiful thing here. It is. And again, we talked about love being that, that, that benevolent kind of love. Uh, we have to grasp the sincere wisdom from above and be so taken by it that we will not hold back anything for selfish gain, but rather, in benevolent love, live our Christian calling. And, and Jonathan, that's a lifetime exposure there to, to try to learn to do that. It is. And we fall many times in our Christian walk. And we have to keep getting up and striving again for that standard. And that's the point. Just because you fall doesn't mean it's over and you've lost. Right. It simply means it's an opportunity to get up. Exactly. And wisdom dictates that when we do fall and get up, that we... Uh, in, in picture language, we brush ourselves off. Humble ourselves. Kind of say, okay, what is it that I tripped over that time? So we don't go there again. Yes. Example of that benevolent love, John fifteen eleven to 13 and verse 17. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that you, your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So Jesus is saying uh, the greatest love is to lay down your life for your friends and just in the next day, that's what Jesus does. He does so indeed. He, he Literally. Lived, he lived what he said. God's wisdom has no hypocrisy. And that's, Jesus is the exemplification of that right there. Well, one last quote here, Jonathan, and we have one quick little soundbite before we start to wrap this up. Ben Franklin. Give without remembering and receive without forgetting. <laughs> I love that. So all of these quotes are designed to just give us a little bit of extra wisdom as we go along the way. And Jonathan, I've saved this soundbite for last. It's a very short soundbite. It's from a fictional character, but I love this little guy, this little fictional character. This is Yoda from Star Wars. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. So there you have it. <laughs> do. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> the whole point is, folks, if you want wisdom to be in your life. Do. Right. It's not a matter of saying, well, okay, maybe I'll, I'll try a little harder. That's not the point of, of godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is a transformative action that has to be put in place so that we can uh, put everything in order. And the scriptures give us an order by which uh, of what godly wisdom is and how we apply it. So let's go through those again. Godly wisdom is pure and it's applied through goodness and virtue. Godly wisdom is peaceable through knowledge. 
Godly wisdom is gentle. Applied through self-control. Godly wisdom is willing to yield. Applied through endurance. Godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. Applied through godliness. Godly wisdom is without a trace of partiality. Through mutual affection. And finally, godly wisdom is without a trace of hypocrisy. Applied through love. So, these scriptures in James and First Second Peter give us a sense of the value of godly wisdom. The scripture in Proverbs says, okay, wisdom hath built her house and it has these seven pillars. And are these the seven pillars of wisdom? I don't know. All we know is that these are seven ways to understand what God's wisdom is. And you know what? Understanding what it is is important, but understanding how to apply it is just as important. So don't lose the second part by just saying, okay, I get what God's wisdom is. Focus on making it work in your lives. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed being with you. We'll be back again next week with a very special guest and a very special subject, so really don't want you to miss that. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, where do we find wisdom? True wisdom, truest, deepest wisdom is found in the scriptures from God above and can be applied in your life today if you so choose. Till next week, wisdom. Think about it. <laughs>